Hey, thanks for listening to the Harvest Christian Fellowship Amarillo Campus Podcast. This week, Pastor Curtis House continues Endangered Species Series with Part 2 of Motherhood, You Are Not Less. For more information, please visit harvestchristianfellowship.org. Thanks, and have a great day. We better pray this morning because normally I have four pages of notes. This morning I have seven. Well, y'all should have been praying all week, right? We needed clarity. So, so let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Father God, I thank you, Lord, for this, your series, Lord, on endangered species, speaking about fathers, about men, mothers, and women. Lord, we live in a day and time where little pieces of what uh, uh, a man is supposed to be and little pieces of what a woman's supposed to be are being taken away. And Father, open our eyes to the reality as the church, Father, that we are called to be men of God and women of God to build your kingdom together. So, Lord, I pray that my words wouldn't be heard. Simply your word, for it's forever true. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have your Bibles this morning, open them up with me to Genesis chapter 2, verse 20. Genesis chapter 2, verse 20. This is going to be a lot of fun this morning, men. You're off the hook. We're talking about women today. Well, we talked about women last week. We talked about women this week. Now, men, just so you know, we talked three weeks prior to that just on men. So it's the women's turn. So we're going to talk about some things that women, we have to be aware of. I'm not a woman, but that the church, the, the people of the church need to be aware of some things and some temptations that, that happen in your life based upon historical evidence in scripture so as we look at this today just stay with me don't leave all right it's good stuff and when we apply what we learn from scripture here's what happens we receive a prophet's reward is what Jesus says receive a prophet in a, in the Lord's name and receive a prophet's reward I'm not saying I'm a prophet but I am saying that, that the scripture is very prophetic and it has a lot to say in our lives Genesis chapter 2 verse 20 but for Adam no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. Look, this isn't hard to do. The Lord probably just put a recliner out in the garden somewhere, right? And he fell into a deep sleep. And, and while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs, then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. Now, here's what you should see, women. You are taken out of the side of the man, not from behind him, not in front of him, but the two of you are one flesh in marriage, right? And you came out of the side to walk alongside of the man. It's a place of honor. It's a place of respect. Now, if we back up and just review last week a little bit, I talked about how he made them both male and female. There's nothing in between. We are to be gender defenders. If you are a man, you are to be a man. If you are a woman, you are to be a woman. That's the way God intended it, and he didn't make mistakes here. And as we defend our gender, listen, we defend our purpose. Every time you defend who you are as a woman of God or as a man of God, you defend the purpose that he created you for. Adam was brought into the garden. The woman was created, if you will, out of the garden. I explained that last week. The finest sand in the world was used right there around Baghdad. 
where the Tigris, the Euphrates, the Pishon, the Gishon all flowed, made this fine, fine sand. And look, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how big you are, how small you are. If you are a woman, you got that fine, soft skin. Men are just rough. They're just rough. I don't know what dirt they came out of. He formed and then brought man into the garden, right? You were created out of a rib, but I'm sure that, that there was some formation taking place within that garden. Woman is given a role of being a helper that's suitable for a man. We know this, that it's not good for man to be alone. So, so God said, that's not working. You know, man's by himself, and when a man gets by himself, he's a little bit dangerous. He's a little unpredictable. His mind begins to wonder. Let's get a helper in there suitable for him. I love this because you think about women. Uh, women don't just have sometimes a word from God. God chose women to carry the word of God. And God has given you women the ability to feel what oftentimes men can't. Some of you are very intuitive, much more so than a man. You know, men are just kind of sometimes like, yeah, I like them, I don't like them. And the woman's saying, wait a second, there's something wrong. You know, I, I don't feel right about this person or this situation. When Israel was in trouble, Jeremiah called the weeping women to come in and pray because they pray emotionally, they pray fervently, they don't give up, they hang on. There's nothing like the love of a woman. I have to be careful because I said that last week and I was afraid that was going to come up on one of my quotes. Pastor Curtis said there's nothing like a love of a woman, right? Now, now here's the thing. The, the women, they, there's no doubt that they embrace, they hold on to things. They can have a son in prison 10, 20, 30 years. They never give up. It was the women who ran to the tomb because whether dead or alive, they were going to say, that's my Jesus. They weren't giving up. Women, y'all are incredible incredible you were never to be second class citizens you never will be in God's eyes in Genesis chapter 3 we learned last week that there's a curse that's placed upon the woman Genesis 3 uh, to the woman he said I will greatly multiply your pain in childbirth in pain you will bring forth children and yet your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you the husband at the time this is Adam and Eve and her desire is going to be for his position and there's two things that he was given responsibility for to cultivate the garden and to keep the garden. The word keep, as you learned last, uh, the last few weeks, is to protect your desire. That, that Hebrew word is to shukwa, to long for, to yearn, to want to run, to stretch over, to rule. See, the husbands will rule. But this is how it's supposed to look. It doesn't mean that they rule with an iron fist or an iron hand. Get away from that man. Right? Husbands. To rule over is defined throughout Scripture. It looks like this. To love your wife as Christ loved the church. To be willing to give yourself up for her. To love your wife and in doing so, you'll love yourself. This desire that a woman has, it's a consuming desire. It consumed Cain to the point he took the life of his brother. 
Women, last week we talked about this curse, the desire to stretch over, to want the man's position. You see, when a woman's desire is matched with man's complacency, I believe the first initial sin, honestly, in the garden was the man's complacency. Men, we still deal with it today. Sometimes we are just complacent. Let's be honest. We like our man caves. We like to come home from work. We like to kick back and say, just leave us alone for 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes. I've got to catch my breath. If I can just shut my eyes. Hopefully I'll wake up with all my ribs, but if I can just rest a moment. But sometimes in that rest, we become complacent, and a woman has this desire, an innate desire to do what the man doesn't do. See, when, when Adam became complacent, a serpent entered the garden. He was no longer watching the boundaries, the borders of his garden, and a serpent came in. When men become complacent, we have the perfect storm. The woman will stretch over the man and his roles. And many times the man says, that's okay. I didn't want to do that anyway. Right? The woman takes her kids to church, which she should do if the man is unwilling. But she will. The woman will take care of the profession. The woman will become the primary and possibly the only breadwinner. Let me say this about that. Uh, some, a couple of emails. What if the woman makes more money than the man? Is that okay? Yes. Right. We've got doctors. We've got attorneys in this church that are women. And, and of course, they have the mind. They have the profession. That's fine. Men, you, you, may not, you may not live up to that part, but what we're called to do is to be willing to get up, to go out and provide, to give our part for sure, so that if, if the wife is having a baby or whatever it is, you know, wh whatever, we're still willing to work and provide. You know, when, I, when, when Allison grad graduated college, she immediately got hired at Demet as a school teacher. And I was pastor in Happy, Texas, and she made a lot more money than I did as a school. And I'm going to tell you something. I'm just going to be honest. I, it hurt me. I, I would go and pray about it. I did not feel right about that. I started swapping cattle. I started trading trailers. I started swapping horses. Anything I could do to try to make as much money as Allison was making. Because I felt less than. But God didn't mean for that to be the case. I was still providing Sometimes that happens, men. Your wives will make more money than you, but you still get up and go to work. The woman will become, if we're not careful, the primary provider and protector. And the need for the man becomes less and less, and man will no longer be attempting to win the woman's heart because she doesn't need another mouth to feed or another child to raise. So the man drifts out of existence and the woman holds every role in society and culture and there is no longer a seed for the garden or a seed carrier. And the end result is not just an endangered species, it becomes an extinct species. Now I know that's extreme. Listen church, so was the flood. So women... You have an immense power. I'm going to introduce you to something today that also comes from the Scripture. Last week, we talked about the word desire. It's a curse. And look, if you can learn 
to see that in yourself, my desire is to tell my husband he went down the wrong street. Why can't my husband go the same way to church every Sunday? Men don't track that way. Sometimes I come up Georgia. Sometimes I go down I-27 today for, for one of the first times in six, seven years. I turned on Hillside. Just thought, I'm going to take Hillside. I don't know why. I just feel, but a woman's going to say, what are you doing? This is how you go to church, right? But if you can start to recognize those things in your life, that desire to take control. So women, I'm going to introduce you to something today. And, and look, if you will recognize this in your life, it's the power of persuasion. God has given you this ability to persuade in many ways. Matter of fact, moving over to a point of manipulation, to a dangerous point, just stay with me. And, and, and if you'll see this, you'll see that you're not less, but you are, an, you are equal. Always remember there are equal roles at times, and then at times there's also an equal partnership, but someone has to lead out. A great organization will be comprised of, of equals, but it will have a chief among equals. Men, that's supposed to be us. We help one another to grow God's kingdom, but we recognize in marriage and in life that God's ways are higher than our ways. Children, look, children are the greatest gift according to God. He says, if you receive one of these little children in my name, you receive me. But how many of us, though they're loved in God's kingdom, though they're so innocent, and God, Jesus says, let the little children come unto me, how many of us would give a child the keys to our truck? Would let them, in other words, would let them be the chief among equals? It's not right. It's out of balance. We shouldn't do that. I know that some do. But it's not the way God intended. Genesis 2.18, the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now, there's a lot of other scripture there, and we've covered most of it. So I'm going to move us along, and I'm going to go straight down to this word helper. It comes from the Hebrew ezer or ezer, E-Z-E-R. It means a helper suitable for him. This helper, Ezer, this, this Ezer suitable for him. An agent of rescue suitable for him. Now, that's in the Hebrew. Now, let me say this. A rescuer. Now, women, careful. Young women, be very careful. Because you see yourself, I'm going to rescue that guy. Shoot, he just doesn't know. Right? This is kind of what, what you carry. And, and we get ourselves in trouble, not we, I'm not a she-male or whatever, I, not we, but women, you get yourself in trouble sometimes, young women, because they get attracted, they become attracted to the wild young man, and you've got your stuff in order, you've been raised in a godly family, and all of a sudden this young man comes along and he's just, I mean, he's just living on the edge, and you're like, man, that guy's full of excitement, he's daring. He lives on the edge. I, I want to I try to tame that animal. <laughs> Women, that's not what this means, an agent of rescue. You will not rescue that man. As a matter of fact, if that man is perishing, there's a good chance that he will lead you off of that cliff. Careful. Look, 
it's not good for man to be alone. So he created this helper. And I'll explain more. In the English, there are only two words that can be used. Strong helper or strong power. Women, this is you. The ezer, the ezer, the E-Z-E-R in you is a strong, strong power. And it is a power of persuasion. Helper does not mean, men, it does not mean this, less than. It, he didn't say, I'll make a female slave for you. He made a helper suitable, one with strong power. There's a story in Scripture. There, there are plenty, as a matter of fact. Women, I'll give you several of examples before I close this message out. But the story of Esther really plays to the power of persuasion that she is gifted with. The power of persuasion can, can oftentimes be, be a power of manipulation. It can be dangerous sometimes. But this power of persuasion will bring life because God is life in you. And you have this great power to walk alongside of man, to help him make the right decisions, to persuade, oftentimes to save the, the multitudes. And that's what Esther does here. She starts off as an orphan. She was raised by her righteous cousin Mordecai when the king, king, the king had a little banquet and he had a queen named Vashti. Now, I've got to catch you up, so just listen to the story, and we'll read a little scripture in just a moment, moment. But I'm catching you up to what's going on, all right? So he's got this queen, and her name is Vashti. And, and she does what sometimes women do. He said, I'm having this great banquet, and I need you to dress up and just look the part. You know what I'm saying? I need some side candy. But she says, I don't think I want to go to the banquet. Now, it wasn't a good decision because back then there were serious repercussions, right, for denying the king. She was no longer queen. And so the king needed a new queen, and Mordecai is raising his Jewish, if you will, little cousin. And he says, hey, Esther, her name is Esther, I want you to jump in line. She becomes queen, but there's a problem. She's a Jew and she's not a Persian. It's a Persian empire. See, the king doesn't know this. I mean, you got to remember, everybody looks the same when you can only see their eyes. That's not necessarily true. That's not exactly what happened, but I'm just saying. He didn't understand that she was not Persian. Mordecai, her cousin, discovers a plot that's going on with a bunch of men to kill the king. And, and, and he's able to take this to the king, of course, through Esther. And he gets some brownie points. The king really likes Mordecai. And this affects and impacts another man who's working for the king whose name is Haman. Now, Haman's a bad cat. And he knows a couple of things. He knows, one, that Mordecai is not Persian. And he knows that the king's very wife Esther is not Persian. So he's thinking of a way to devise a scheme that would kill all of the Jews. So he goes to the king and he says, hey, I've got this idea, you know, um, let's do away with the Jews because they're not Persians and they're interrupting who we are and da 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 And so the king agrees to it originally. And so Mordecai goes out and he puts up these huge gallows just outside 
of the city gates and what he's looking to do is he wants to hang Mordecai on those gallows as soon as Mordecai is discovered it's discovered that he's a Jew it's a scary thing so Haman walks away he knows the king has agreed to his genocidal plans the king doesn't know that his queen is Jewish Esther's been keeping it a secret and finally Mordecai finds out that this is what Haman's done and he goes to Esther. Esther, verse, chapter 4, verse 12. When Esther's words were reported to Mordecai, he sent back this answer. Do not think that because you are in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your father's family will perish. And who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. In other words, you hold a power of persuasion in you that has the opportunity to save a nation. And then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai, go gather Together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my attendants will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. Now you may be thinking, why would it be against the law if she goes to her husband? Because no one could approach the king without a request. And he would either incline them to come or decline them from, from coming. And so what happens, she said, I'm going to go. I'm going to do this because it is for God's kingdom. It is for God's people. And if I perish, if my words of persuasion are not strong enough, then I perish. So she fasts for three days. She goes to the king unannounced, but he is mellow and he is pleased with her. He offers to give her whatever she wants. She asks him to have a banquet for her and Haman the next day. Then after that banquet, she asks for another one on the following day. Meanwhile, Haman is excited about the massacre that's about to happen to all the Jews. He builds these huge gallows outside of the city, but his hopes are dashed the following morning. When the king, remembering how Mordecai saved his life, he orders Haman to honor Mordecai and lead him in a parade through the town. Now this is interesting. He says, hey, let me tell you what you're going to do. Haman, you're my right-hand guy, but I like this guy Mordecai. And see, Haman wanted Mordecai out. I like him, but here's what I want you to do. I want you to lead him through the city. Have a parade in his honor because he discovered this plot that was going to take my life. And you can just imagine how enraged Haman was. But he kept thinking, there's hope. I'm going to walk him right by those gallows. At the second banquet, Esther asked the king to punish Haman for trying to kill her and her people. She comes clean with the king. And he does that very thing. Haman hanged to death on the same gallows he had built for Mordecai. As a matter of fact, if you study this, the Jews of Persia massacre of all Haman's agents and supporters. So everyone that followed Haman and was in on this plot, the, the, the commentaries say were about 75,000 people were put to death. Mordecai is made into the king's new counselor, and Purim becomes an official Jewish holiday that's still celebrated by the Jews today. Listen, women... You have this innate, I want you to hear this, innate trait 
of God that is known as the power of persuasion. It rests and it resides in each one of you to speak to the man corporately and privately, personally. She had to go to the king personally, but it saved the people corporately. Now let me just talk about this for a minute. This corporate power that exists in you, this power of persuasion. Esther used her strong powers to manipulate the king for the purpose of saving God's people. What about you? Do you see that you have the power of persuasion? See, we all do to some degree, but the woman's power, it's, it's huge. It's awesome. It supersedes really the man in many areas. You see, Eve was persuaded by the serpent, if you will, manipulated by the serpent. And according to Adam, he was manipulated by Eve. Esther saved many lives for the kingdom when she was able to use her power of persuasion towards the king. You can use your power to manipulate or to persuade for either good or bad. Let's talk about our culture for just a minute. I just want to say a couple of things. Uh, let me... The video or, or what I'm about to show you, it's not necessarily a video, it's just a counter. But I want to tell you something, if you're a woman in here who has had an abortion or maybe undergone some difficult circumstances or situations in life, look, God is for you, He restores you, you're going to see that here in just a moment. Because I, I, I've dealt with many women who have gone through abortion when they were young or maybe when they were older, they got in a relationship, they didn't recognize it. Planned Parenthood comes alongside of you, encourages you and says, no, it's just a form of birth control. Careful here because in our culture today, the Women's March, the National Organization for, Woman, for Women, Planned Parenthood, they all support this. But what God supports is life. That's how you know if it's right, not death, because our God is a God of life. Now, he offers hope to the brokenhearted. For sure, you can be forgiven. But pay attention to, to how your power of persuasion is used and where, because together you are stronger, but sometimes dangerous. See, the Women's March, the National Organization for Women, Planned Parenthood, they all support abortion and many other things. They attempt to make, to think they have to belittle men in order to raise women up. But we're supposed to be alongside of one another. But our culture is causing us to come to a place where we no longer represent our genders in the fullness of what God intended. And in doing so, we too can lose our purpose, purpose of life and, ever, and life everlasting. You see, they attempt to use their power to manipulate the culture into thinking, it's my right, it's my body. Let me just show you something. This is uh, usabortionclock.org. Now, if you look at this, now I understand there's, there's uh, rape cases. Um, there you can see it's about 4,500 this year in the U.S. alone. That's a terrible thing. But if you look over here just since Roe versus Wade, there's been... 60,534,370.3 lives taken. 0.4 lives taken. 0.5 lives taken. 
Point six, lives taken. This is life. This is going right now. Uh, in the United States, just today, um, 1,254.1 real-time counter. Worldwide since 1980, 1,500,000, 1.5 And that's going up 360, 361, 362, 364. 365, 366, 367. This is a live counter of lives being taken, lives being lost. Look, there are other feminist groups where you have power as well that, that really, some of what they stand for is, is really good. I won't say all, but some is. Feminist for life. There's another organization and then there were none. I don't agree with all their doctrines, but at least they use their power for life and not death. Pay attention to that because God calls you as as the persuasion, the power of persuasion, to use it for his kingdom purpose. So there's the corporate manipulation, if you will. There's the corporate gathering of women. There's the corporate, if, and, and not even just, just corporate, but there's the political bonding of women. But be careful, women, because in trying to empower you, sometimes it's creating death within our culture, and within our genders. I want to talk about personal power of persuasion now. Personal manipulation, if you will. Sometimes I call this the Jezebel. Right? No doubt Jezebel had the power to run a country because she could run her husband, King Ahab. I see this a lot in married couples. Instead of coming alongside, many times the man's complacency or maybe his inability to lead causes the wife to lead out. And if she doesn't get her way, she has an extra weapon. Don't y'all look at me like, you don't know what that is. You know, when you're young, there's a woman's desire that is innate that in some ways can be a curse. It can also be used for the glorification of God. But a woman's desire is much different from that newlywed man's desire. You're still looking at me like he is not going to go down this road in our church. Look, that's the problem. Our church doesn't teach these things. We're letting culture define it for us. But if we can begin to recognize this, because here's the thing. A man will want his desire fulfilled immediately. The woman's desire is not immediate. And for that matter, sometimes could be non-existent. A man will look for immediate gratification. A woman wants power or desire to stretch over. So this is basically what happens. Manipulation. Persuasion. Not until you go mow the grass. Uh Uh-uh. You didn't take the trash out, and I told you to this morning, it ain't happening. Oh, hang on, I've got to go to the grocery store, we're out of milk. Got to go see my parents, right? <laughs> and the men are like, man, I'll, visit, I'll go visit your parents. You just stay right here, right? But, but it's this power of, of manipulation, and I believe God made us that way. I know he did, all right? It's okay, It's not okay to to personally manipulate, but it is okay to understand that we're created differently. Our desires oftentimes are very, very different. You see, what happens is we lose respect when when we act that way or we play things out. We role play in the wrong ways. 
The two of us are not the same. I know this is marriage stuff, but a great book for you is Love and Respect. That's a great book for all of us to read. When the husband loves his wife and the wife respects her husband, understand his needs. You see, in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, Paul addresses this because the church at Corinth was struggling here. Now I want to deal with the things you wrote me about. Some of you say it is good for a man not to sleep with a woman. But since sexual sin is happening, now here's what happens when you use that power of persuasion and, and, and that power of persuasion keeps delaying what, what the man's desire is. Women, listen to me, it becomes dangerous, especially today because men have phones and men have, have computers. And I find myself sitting across the desk and men saying, I don't want to sin this way, but my wife. And it was happening, look, at the church at Corinth. They just, they just simply wouldn't, so the men were turning to other sexual sins. And each woman should sleep with her own husband. A husband should satisfy his wife's needs, and a wife should satisfy her husband's needs. The wife's body does not belong only to her. It also belongs to her husband. In the same way, the husband's body does not belong to him. It also belongs to his wife. You shouldn't stop giving yourselves to each other, is what the Apostle Paul said. Some of you men out there want to say, amen, don't. You don't have the power of persuasion in that area. When one of the two of you is no longer interested outside of age or physical condition, something is wrong. And you see, when we don't fulfill our obligations, then sin is crouching at the door. And its desire, just as Genesis 4 says, and its desire is for you to stretch over, to fully encompass you into something other than your marriage which is sacred and to be holy when the two become one flesh that flesh is to get along for the kingdom of God women use your power of persuasion to help your husbands be who they're called to be men of God men love your wives provide order not chaos in her life most women would desire that as well Women, you have great power to manipulate or terminate. Choose the way of the Lord. If you need some other women to look in Scripture, I pulled just a few up just out of memory, just trying to, to remember some things. Rebecca was the mother of a whole nation. Or I'm sorry, Sarah was the mother of a nation. Rebecca was barren until Isaac prayed for her. Miriam saved Moses by intervening for him. Miriam taught the Israelites to worship. Rahab, a prostitute, hid God's spies and she was spared. Interesting thing about Rahab is that she's found not only in the lineage of David, but she's found in the lineage of Jesus. She's a prostitute, but let me tell you something. God restored her. Prostitutes, even in that day and time, knew how to have abortions. It wasn't safe, but they would do it because that was their profession, if you will. But, but look, when she came to the Lord, when she submitted, she said, hey, we have been waiting on God's people to get here. Matter of fact, we have been afraid because your God goes, goes before you. And she hid the spies and she found favor in God's eyes. She found restoration. She found redemption. She found hope. In the New Testament, Paul mentions Timothy's mother and grandmother, the faith of Lois and Eunice. Lydia was a great worshiper and she was also known as a great businesswoman. Phoebe was a deaconess. She worked with the elders and supported Paul. Anna was a prophetess. 
And there are other prophetesses mentioned in Scripture in Corinthians. There, there, there are many others. Women, you have this power of persuasion. You not only have an innate desire, but you have an innate power that rests and resides in you. Use it for life. Use it for God's kingdom. Use it to build and not tear down. Not to manipulate or to terminate but to propagate the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if you need prayer for anything this morning, maybe you feel like you're the Rahab this morning that, you know, I, I've just, I've used the power for the wrong purpose. And I need to be set free. You know, this is July 4th week. We're down a little bit in our numbers today. I know several are on vacation. I got several emails. We had several decline their areas of work today because they're on vacation but it's independence day and look some of us need to walk out of here free this is your day of independence free from manipulation and free from from the power of persuasion in the wrong ways and use it for god's ways no longer should we be an endangered species, but we should be gender defenders defending the purpose that God created us for. And in those purposes, know that they will always bring life and life everlasting. Maybe some of you just want prayer today. You want to celebrate your independence. We're here for that too. But let's be real and let's get real. God created us for His plan, for His purpose, for His glory. Father God, thank you for each one. Father, I pray that you minister to the one who feels they need you the least as well as the one that feels they need you the most. Father, let them know we're here for them. Father, I pray that redemption and restoration would be upon our women today and they would be set free. Father, understanding that awareness is the first step to responsibility. Let us be responsible with who you created us to be. In Jesus' name. Amen.